We're back, and so are the Royals, teasing us again with more design sketches for a new stadium, but still no final decision. Plus, is Kansas City really serious about closing its downtown airport? The city manager says it's hampering development, but is the idea plausible or preposterous? If you live in southern Johnson County, you're already feeling the pain of construction of a new toll road, but stop the presses. Are more toll roads now on the way? Independence gets national attention this week as it starts a four-day school week. Meanwhile, Kansas City schools grabbing the headlines for three-hour days. We just could not in good conscience expect for them to endure the heat and hope for the best. Those stories and the rest of the week's news straight ahead. Week in Review is made possible through the generous support of AARP Kansas City, RSM, Dave and Jamie Cummings, Bob and Marlise Gorley, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize and Bank of America N.A., co-trustees, the restaurant at 1900, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Hello and welcome, I'm Nick Haynes. Good to have you back with us after our summer membership drive. And we've got a lot to catch up on together, picking apart our Metro's most impactful, confusing and befuddling local news stories. Alisa Rodriguez from KCUR News, former star reporter and opinion writer Dave Helling. From City Scene KC, Kevin Collison. And from our Metro's newest newspaper, Next Page KC, Eric Wesson. Now, the Kansas City Royals continue to build suspense this week for their $2 billion stadium and ballpark district plan. This will be good for Kansas City, no matter where we land. Uh, we'll see to that, and you can hold us to it. The team's leaders unveiling new renderings for the two sites they're now considering, one in North Kansas City, the other in the East Village, a largely neglected stretch of land east of City Hall. What, if anything, though, did we learn from this latest stadium roadshow, Kevin? Well, the only real hard news that came out of it is that they have the Royals acknowledge that this idea that people would be able to find parking in existing spaces and garages downtown is out the window. They did say they plan to have a 4,000 space parking garage that would be built as part of the East Village site. Uh, the name Kaufman Field is not going to happen. Uh, they were very candid that they're going to sell the naming rights. So uh, Kaufman as a name is going to disappear? Uh, they did say they would find a way to suitably honor Mr. Kaufman, but they certainly made it clear that they plan to sell the naming rights to the ballpark as part of the financing of the whole deal. Uh, other than that, you know, a lot of what we heard was just a, um, a more detailed version. I mean, in, uh, North Kansas City site, 90 acres. They got a lot more room to play with. It's going to be a lot more horizontal. They did say they need to create a place there. They want to put a park in as part of that deal. The East Village would be more vertical. But the other fascinating thing is they acknowledged that they want to develop the uh, Paseo West area on the other side of 71 Highway from the site. In fact, one of the renderings showed a pedestrian bridge going over 71 Highway. And there has been speculation about what might happen with that area and when you look at it it's certainly ripe for some kind of development because it's it's kind of a nondescript quasi-industrial although there's a couple of really beautiful historic buildings in that area what we also didn't hear is any full final total of what actually the public funding of this might be absolutely the the biggest questions that we had going into this are remain the biggest questions at least for me coming out of it which is exactly um, how they want to finance it what that final number is going to be they've talked about if it stays in Jackson County renewing that three-fourth cent sales tax if it goes to Clay County potentially a one cent sales tax because because it's less populated there but until and they haven't quite tipped their hand on whether they have the uh, support of city officials in getting this um, on the ballot 
or whether they think it'll pass. I mean, they're confident it'll pass, but but we've seen reports this week that suggest otherwise. Yeah, there was a Clay County report. Uh, the Business Journal published that about how about 70% of voters in Clay County were not in favor of a sales tax for the Royals to move to North Kansas City. Right, although the survey didn't say how much of a tax and for how long. So the, or who put the survey together. Or put it together, yeah. so it's I'm a little suspect. It. Quick correction to my friend Lisa, it's three-eighths of a cent in oh. Jackson County, not three-fourths of a cent. I talked to someone very close to the negotiations this week after the news conference who said, look, what if the Royals go to the ballot in April in Clay County and the Chiefs go to the ballot in Jackson County in April for the three-eighths extension and the Chiefs, because they're popular and they're winning, they get that money and the Royals lose in Clay County. What do the Royals do then? Well, they can't be, go back to Jackson County because that money will already have been well. They'll be the, they'll the, be the Nashville Royals they'll at be, that point. It could be, and that that's why I think the Chiefs have looked at, at Wyandotte County. The Royals are looking at Clay County. They understand that asking just one county to pay all the money. I have to say, Eric, one, one thing that was interesting to me is there was a lot of effort made by the team's owners, the team's management group, to say how great the negotiations were going with right. City Hall and with Jackson County and with Frank White. And yet there were other reports that said Frank White didn't even like the East Village site. <laughs> if it was about community betterment, social impact, he did not like that site. He'd much prefer it to be at 18th and Vine. But is there any sense that that, that site would change? Well, 18th and Vine is kind of landlocked, so I don't know where they could draw a rendering at to go in that area. Well, I thought it was going to be at that sort of KCATA bus it, it area. It was more 18th and Troost, you're okay. right. And yeah. the KCATA people pulled that site off the table okay. two right. years ago. Right. Uh, one thing that hasn't been talked about, and again, I've talked to some people familiar with this, there's going to be a big ask from the state of Missouri. We haven't really heard about that yet. But a source that I know who's pretty involved with the North Kansas City negotiations said that uh, the Chiefs went down to uh, Jeff City last couple of months ago with a hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars request for help. And uh, now, though, that Mike Parson, the governor, has just put a chief's tattoo on his arm, which we <laughs> saw while we were away, clearly he's probably going to say yes to that. He's a huge uh, chief's well, fan. Well, you know, you run into the buzzsaw of the rural interests in Missouri not yeah. really caring that much about either St. Louis or Kansas City. And they got burned to a large degree with the deal in St. Louis for the Rams. And they built that beautiful right, stadium, yeah, yeah. got a ton of money from the state, and now the Rams are playing in L.A. So, but. There are other players here besides just Jackson County and Clay okay, County. Okay, the final decision won't be made until probably the third week of September, which is the end of summer in the United States, which is what they said, Lisa. But in any of the language, words, expressions from the news conference this week, did the Royals uh, show their hand in any way that they were favoring North Kansas City versus a downtown? I, I didn't detect any any favoritism okay. for one site to another. I think truly it depends on these conversations behind the scenes and where they think they can secure that money. It, it's about money. Mm -hmm. it, it, yeah. It's okay. not well, really about what the pretty picture no. is. It's who will cut the best deal. Kevin talked a little bit about the state of Missouri. The state of Missouri let the Rams and the Cardinals go from St. Louis rather than pony up the kind of money that the teams wanted. So asking them for a huge amount of money for the Chiefs seems problematic as well. Uh, one other quick note is the fact that um, city manager Brian Platt <laughs> kind of caused some uh, uh, discomfort uh, the other day when he gave me an interview and said, well, 
whether they go to North Kansas City or the East Village downtown is going to benefit one way or another. I know that gave a lot of downtown interests heartburn. Uh, so okay. anyway, this is and a great. The new council has to decide on what side of the fence they're going to be on too. And this is a lot of stuff coming Again, up without, on them. I, I'm at, just trying to the keep the, the council has no role yet. Mm -hmm. It's a county uh, yeah. operation in Clay County. But, but clearly they'll be asked to put somebody in, whether it be for utilities, for interchanges. They do that or, now, if the Royals move to Clay County, that money's off the table. Kansas City's not going to pay for the Royals to have uh, maintenance in Clay County, the North Kansas City Royals. All right. So th those questions are very complicated and we're not even close to answers. Is Kansas City making plans to close its downtown airport before you channel former tennis bad boy John McEnroe and say, you cannot be serious. It's apparently on the wish list of city manager Brian Platt. According to a front page story in the Star, Platt is threatening to shut down the Charles B. Wheeler Airport because it's seriously hampering the city's development plans. He claims construction on at least half a dozen high-rise projects have been stalled because the FAA says they would interfere with the airport's flight paths. How should we take this story? Is it just dialing up the outrage meter? Is it plausible or preposterous, Kevin? I don't think it's going to happen, but I know the city has been butting heads with the local FAA office now for the past couple of years. You know, they have been really tough on efforts to develop uh, taller buildings in the River Market. There's another project over near the Kauffman Center that's a high-rise project that they've been having pushback on. What's interesting is, you know, I, I like Brian Platt for just throwing out some fresh, provocative ideas. Because you go to other cities like Denver, they've redeveloped the whole Stapleton site and the whole Lowry Air Force site to marvelous residential and commercial development. But what's really kind of sad, and, you know, back in the old days, 10 years ago, you had a Kit Bond or you had a Danforth or some U.S. Senator representing Missouri who would call up the FAA people in D.C. telling them, you know, have your local office chill a bit, you know, let them, you know, stop giving them so much grief. Now we really don't have that kind of representation in Washington. We, you know, we've got senators that are more about their own political future than they are serving constituents. So it's too bad the city has to make such loud saber rattling. It's this yes. is used to be something that could be settled by effective representatives in Washington. Uh, other cities over the years though have done this, including Chicago about 20 years ago. So they have been removing downtown air airports for the benefit of development. But what would actually be the point of doing that in Kansas City? And what would actually take over that space? Are we looking at a Disney park to come in there? Um, I, I don't know exactly what would go there. I think the main focus has been trying to develop the river market and the crossroads and getting more high rises there. But it's it's a very pro-development stance from you, you one of the most powerful a, people in You could build a pretty nice baseball stadium on that uh, <laughs> uh, land for the uh, airport. Well, not that tough. I mean, not yeah. as tough as uh, Clay County is going to be. The problem with downtown airport is that it has a real utility for very wealthy people and for businesses, but for the general public, they don't fly in and out of that at any level. I mean, there's no commercial yep. service out of that airport, so it is hard sometimes and to justify. And there's plenty of room now at the new KCI terminal. And they could use some of the old terminal space to do, right. to do uh, beachcraft, that type of thing. Anger over property assessments has consumed Jackson County government for months. It's also diverted attention from another big contentious county issue, the new jail. Back in April, county lawmakers were talking about hitting the pause button on the $300 million project at the learning of massive cost overruns. There was even talk of scaling back the project or putting the jail on the ballot for a public vote. So what happened? This week, we got a long overdue update as members of the Kansas City Council and the Jackson County lawmakers met together to get a progress report. Is it still at a standstill or is construction underway, Eric? 
I think it is still at a standstill. They're just trying to work out some bugs before they go public with saying, okay, we can go with this project. Kansas City needs a jail for their municipal court system. Well, because uh, few people realize that since 2019 there hasn't been a Kansas City jail, and no. they are actually spending millions of dollars millions of shipping dollars, yeah. detainees out to Joplin and Warrensburg and places like that because they don't have a space. But was that me did was an agreement made on that this week? We don't have an agreement yet. We have what we do have are new members of City Council that uh, expressed some frustration that the previous City Council and Mayor and administration didn't get anything uh, done on this. So it really, I mean, I feel like this is the first really big issue that, that the new council has to decide on quickly and they have to really get negotiating on it. I mean the sad thing is again we've got a city and a county that as everybody's mentioned this issue's been looming for several years. It, it, it just makes you really scratch your head at the competency of uh, both the county and the city as far as addressing major strategic issues. Did you see independence getting national primetime TV attention this week, eight months after the independent school board voted to enact a four-day school week? The slimmed-down calendar experiment finally got underway this week. Tell me why you're leading the charge um, in this shortened week in your district. Uh, we were very transparent with our community that this was not about saving money because it doesn't. Uh, what it was for us completely was our ability to attract and retain quality staff. So how is it going? Were there two teachers in every classroom, Lisa? Because the district did so incredibly well recruiting staff, lured by the idea that they no longer had to actually work on Mondays. Well, I'm not sure it went quite to that extreme. <laughs> okay. but, but Superintendent Dale Hurl has been very vocal that applications for teaching jobs really ballooned after this announcement. So, And, and we've heard, uh, even through the debates uh, at the end of last year over whether to make this change, that teachers really wanted this change, that they are feeling burned out and overworked, and that pay can only address some of that and that they could benefit from this extra additional day to plan um, for the next week. So we'll see how it goes. Technically, the school district has been in five days a week this first two weeks, but uh, they'll switch to a four-day week. They've got all these planned uh, activities for, for kids to uh, participate in on their off days. They're offering uh, child support at a cost two families. So we'll see. I think it's a really interesting thing. Superintendent or uh, Independence is the largest district in Missouri to have made such a change. And so I think other larger districts in urban areas may be watching to see if this is a success, can it be replicated? Do you think Kansas City, uh, Shawnee Mission, Blue Valley are looking at this? Yeah, they're seeing how this is going to go with Independence. Probably Raytown would be the next one to follow because they have some issues there as well. But I believe this is something, this will be the model to see if it actually works. Yeah, you, uh, the, the problem is that this is primarily a tool for rural districts to, to lure teachers to teach in places that may not be as sort of popular in terms of amenities or even in salary, but hey, we can offer you four day a week schedules. If big districts start doing it, then that advantage goes away. If Kansas City does it, Independence, Shawnee Mission, or whatever. And that's why legislators, particularly in Missouri, are trying to prevent the big districts from doing it. They want to <laughs> keep Independence doing five days a week so that they can have the advantage where it's very popular in more rural districts. Well, one other important thing is that, you know, the kids are getting the same amount of time 
in the classroom. They've expanded the day, what, a half hour? Yeah, it's like 35 minutes, minutes or like so. That. Yeah, so they which, say it's about roughly right, the same right. as what they would do. I, I guess my question is why don't they take Friday off instead of Monday? You know, I mean, it's what the heck. Have a TGIF uh, schedule. That would be even more popular for teachers. Uh, you are now giving ideas for the other superintendents <laughs> watching this program. That might start go. as another effort to recruit teachers. It was a rough start to back to school in our metro in addition to the usual stories of school bus driver and crossing guard shortages. Kansas City Public Schools were letting out students before noon every day this week due to the oven-like temperatures. They said most of the district's high schools and some middle schools don't have air conditioning. Back to school and all this heat. It is going to feel like 115 degrees again this afternoon, maybe pushing 120 like it did yesterday. We just could not in good conscience expect for them to endure the heat and hope for the best. I just have to go home and miss all day work and just take the cut on my paycheck. And here we are having to miss out on a couple hundred dollars a week for this week alone just to come pick them up. Some people were expressing outrage over that this week, given how much money has been invested in schools over the years. How hasn't that happened, Eric? Uh, because they've needed money in other areas. And the maintenance with Kansas City Public Schools has been neglected for probably a decade, if not more. So they don't have the money to fix and replace and do the things that they need to do. If schools lack air conditioning in Kansas City, Missouri, that at least in part is due to mismanagement at the board level, not that money hasn't been available. They've had hundreds of millions, billions of dollars for capital improvements. If someone forgot to do air conditioning, it's not necessarily uh, the fault of the, of the patrons of the district. Um, and I do think that there was an effort, as I recall, 20, 25 years ago to put air conditioning in all the Kansas City, Missouri schools. Now, the maintenance may be a problem, revenue may be a problem, they've closed schools, they've shrunk the district, they get less money from the state, uh, but it isn't because, uh, totally because there hasn't been money that they don't have air conditioning. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I, I tend to but agree the with reality, yeah. But the reality is, they haven't had a levy since the 70s. What can you buy today that you could pay the same price for? Yeah, in but the, the 70s? also reality is, is that the levy doubled for the Kansas City, Missouri school district. They lose as part of it. Money. And and and, <laughs> Eric, as you know, uh, the the uh, the school district is not subject to the Hancock Amendment. So that if valuations go up as they are, there's mm -hmm. no requirement that they roll back. They can levy whatever they think the market will bear. So Kansas City, Missouri has tools to do the things that it needs to do. It just needs the will to do them. But I should point out, though, there were other school districts, including in Shawnee Mission this week, Lisa, that they even had air conditioning systems that sent their kids home because you can still struggle and have maintenance issues with the systems right. you when, have. When it's, when it's this hot, I mean, we're, we're not dealing with AC systems, especially for schools that have window units, and that's how they're cooling their classrooms, that can withstand heat this, this much. And this was a, a topic when we were talking about consolidating the district. Their main concern was we're so behind on maintenance, and they ended up, after public outrage, scaling that back and not closing all the schools that they said they needed to. Now, if you live in southern Johnson County, you're already feeling the pain from construction of new toll lanes on 69 Highway. But even though the new fee-based express lanes won't open until 2025, there may be plans afoot to add another toll road in Johnson County, this time on K-10, the busy stretch of roadway to KU that connects Kansas City to Lawrence, as this show is about clearing up the fuddling and confusing issues. How come Missouri Governor Mike Parson, Dave Helling, just agreed to add 
a third lane in both directions of I-70 from Kansas City to St. Louis, with no need for tolls, no tax increase, and Kansas, with massive budget surpluses, can't find the money to do the same. Well, they probably could find the money if it was a priority, but I do think that, uh, you know, they're building other high... They, Kansas has spent an enormous amount of money on highway transportation in and around the Kansas side of the Kansas City area over the years. Just drive out to 435 or the interchange with K-10. As you head toward Lawrence, there's concrete everywhere. So it may be that rural interests are not that excited about uh, spending the millions, the hundreds of millions that would, uh, you would need to improve K-10. And, uh, you know, let's face it, there wasn't, there's not unanimous support for the I-70 project in Missouri. Some rural interests are saying, what about our highway what about our so it's a little more complicated than they do it one place and don't do it in another and, and you know although both states are pretty conservative Kansas has always been a bit more progressive particularly in infrastructure and other public works projects and they've had the precedent of a toll road for a long time yeah, you know anybody that drives to yeah. Topeka and to Wichita they're on the Kansas Turnpike and it's going on all over the country. I mean, you go to Minneapolis, you go to Denver. Denver, they actually had private developers build a beltway around the city that is paid for by tolls. It's a for-profit venture. And one of the reasons for that, Nick, and this is an important thing to understand, is cars get better mileage. A lot of electric cars aren't paying gas taxes. Everyone's looking for an alternative way to pay for road improvements. And one of the ways to do so is, is through tolls. I have to say what's amazed me at a time of great outrage of public protest for almost every single issue under the sun, that this hasn't gotten as much a public anger uh, as I might have anticipated. Is that because you, can, you don't actually have to pay anything uh, if you're not using the express lane? It's not like everybody has to pay it. You just have to, it might just take you longer right. to get I, I to your destination. I think that's part of it. We're, we're early on in these discussions. This is just an idea that is, has, we've just surfaced this week. And I think if, if they were considering tolling all of K-10 and taking away our only free way to get to Lawrence, then, then I think there would be uh, a lot of outrage. But for uh, offering one toll lane option for people who want to pay it and others that can, that can just go for free, I think that alleviates uh, congestion on both sides. As we've been gone two weeks, there are far too many stories we've missed to do justice to our usual big story miss segment. Just this week, we could do a segment just on the big lawsuits we've missed. Increasingly, we are turning to judges to settle our most divisive disputes. So perhaps that's a better question to ask before we leave. Which was the biggest lawsuit we missed? <laughs> Lawsuits on the way after that police raid on a Kansas newspaper. Will it cost the police chief his job? Will a judge block Missouri's ban on child transgender treatments? Missouri's new law goes into effect on Monday. Another lawsuit filed to block an abortion rights question on the Missouri ballot. The suit from three Republican lawmakers claims the ballot language should tell voters it'll cost $12 billion a year, the amount of lost tax revenue from aborting unborn Missourians. And the clash over affordable housing in Prairie Village heads to a Kansas courtroom this week, a judge deciding whether three citizen petitions that limit apartments and multi-family homes can be added to the November ballot. Alrighty, Lisa, did you pick one of those stories or something completely different? 
You know, I don't know if, if this particular lawsuit is the biggest news, but I do think the issue over housing in Prairie Village is a huge one and one that other Johnson County suburbs are also looking at. It's, you know, the city of Prairie Village is desperately needs more affordable housing options. That's what they're trying to push forward. But but these group of residents that oppose any type of multifamily housing or anything that would threaten this the image of what Prairie Village presents, which is these, you know, middle to upper income, uh, nice trim houses there. It's it's a real cultural debate there. And I'm very curious to see how that plays out. There's lots of layers in, in this discussion. And it's we spilling out, of course, all over the Absolutely. metro as nobody seems to want apartments or mm -hmm. multi-story living, even though nobody can seem to afford to, <laughs> right. to buy a house right now. Exactly Dave, right. what did you put down? Well, I think we ought to pay attention, of course, to the uh, story in uh, Marion County where the uh, police department uh, raided a newsroom looking for alleged evidence in a dispute. What your viewers may not remember, and which I'm revealing here again maybe for the first time, this is not the first time that a law enforcement official has raided a newsroom in our region. In the mid-1990s, Claire McCaskill raided the newsroom at Channel 4 under the same circumstances, WDAF, with a search warrant, not a subpoena, looking for what she believed to be evidence in a murder case. It prompted a federal lawsuit. We, we I say we, I worked at Channel 4 at the time. We won at the trial level, lost at the uh, appeals court. But it is not unusual for police want. Uh, and, but did and people at that time start using the words Nazi, Hitler, Gestapo no, tactics, which was really interesting? Now, the use of language in this case. And certainly, no one referred to Claire McCaskill as Hitler-like at the time. Kevin, well, they're all actually lawsuits related to some very important topics. I'm going to go down. Uh, and talk about the one that the uh, legislators in Jeff City are yet again trying to sabotage, torpedo, whatever verb you want to use, people's right to petition for changes in our state constitution. This is a relentless campaign by the Republicans to try to s sabotage the ability of people to put this uh, uh, abortion issue on the ballot. And uh, they're going to just amazing extremes to try to make their case. They've been defeated at least two times as far as I can remember and it's just you know they just it's fascinating that they are so reluctant to allow the people to vote on topics I mean it's to me it's an indication of they're fearful and uh, and it's just sad that they continue to try to force this thing uh, to be delayed Eric the Kansas City Missouri Fire Department yeah. and the Justice Department coming in to investigate allegations lawsuits payoffs that the uh, fire department has had for discrimination against black firefighters. Uh, the battalion chief seals, I've talked to him several times about that situation within the fire department and nothing has changed in a <clears throat> decade. And just quickly, Kansas City is now under scrutiny for its hiring practices in both its fire department and its police department, which says something about governments of public, uh, governance of public safety, I think, in Kansas City. And on that, we will say our week has been reviewed, courtesy of KCUR's Lisa Rodriguez and Kevin Collison of City Scene KC. From the helm at Next Page KC, Eric Wesson, and former star reporter and opinion writer Dave Helling. And I'm Nick Haynes. From all of us here at Kansas City PBS, be well, keep calm, and carry on.